This episode brought to you by Healthier You. Are you living the healthiest version of you? Hi, this is registered dietitian and Run Disney race announcer, Carissa Galloway, and I'm excited to share some information about the course I created. It's called Healthier You. In my talking and working with runners, they're always asking about ways to improve their health, nutrition, and for weight loss. I took everything I've learned as a registered dietitian and made it into this easy-to-navigate 12-week course. You're getting meal plans, you're getting nutrition education, you're getting recipes, and you're getting live monthly Q&A sessions with me where you can ask your personalized questions. We've had over 200 Healthier You participants this year, and so many of them are sharing great stories of success with how simple it is to use the program and how it's made huge improvements in their energy and nutrition choices. I'd love for you to join Healthier You, and you can use the code Jeff. J-E-F-F to save $175. You can go to GallowayCourse.com or find the link in the show notes and follow me on Instagram for more information at Carissa underscore G-Way. Have certain key words that remind you of your successes. And it can be a success in running or a success in life. But key words, once you say them, will turn on your human brain and if that key word is associated with one or more positive experiences then what you're going to turn on is the right side of your brain which is then going to find all of those resources that you found before they are there they're waiting for you to pull them up All right, welcome to the You Can Do It with Jeff Galloway podcast. Today we're talking motivation. So I know motivation comes up a lot, and I'm not even just saying that because I'm running Boston, and I don't know, let's just say it's not been as perfect as a, of a training cycle as I would have liked, but I'm going to go and enjoy the journey and the experience. I know it's one of the most common topics that comes up and that people ask about, So let's just say this will be part one of a few different conversations about motivation. So first I wanted to chat about some of your inspiring stories and lessons that you might have learned from them and how they can be motivating to others. Well, Weston, I first of all want to say that you can do better than you think you can. And the whole aspect of motivation is to unlock those powers inside and also not make mistakes early because that's often what keeps you from what is possible. Um, And the first major thing that uh, motivation is about is discovering what you do best and particularly being able to have a plan that relates to your strengths and most of us have this. For example, um, I when I first ran Boston, I was awed at first thinking about how the best runners in the world were going to be there and that I wasn't even close to being one of the best runners in the world. As a matter of fact, I was wondering if I could even get into the top 
100 or or 200 and I, I was looking forward to seeing what that was um, but as I got closer and closer to the race what I came up with is I knew how I could run my best and it was quite simple it was to not go out too fast uh, and particularly if you're a little under trained uh, so I'll give you an example of what happened to me on a very important race when I was under train. I It was the year after the Olympics, and I had had only a few track races, and they had not turned out well at all. And I was sent an application for free entry with transportation out to the national championships to run the six-mile race, which was in the national championships at that time, and I didn't feel adequate for going out there. So I decided that uh, I would uh, do a few test workouts, and none of them actually turned out very well, but I thought about the fact that I needed a break. I needed a chance to see my friends. And I was given this opportunity by the U.S. Olympic Committee to have a free trip to do that. So at first I took the pressure off saying, nobody expects me to do anything because my performances have been so bad this year. So I'm just going to go out there, start out slowly, and just see what happens. So I get out to Bakersfield, California, and uh, it's uh, a real hot day, so hot that they held the six-mile race in the evening after the sun went down. And um, I knew that I had to start out really slowly, so I was the leader of the back of the pack for the first seven or eight laps. And then I started to feel the effects of the heat and started to slow down a little bit. But um, I focused on a runner ahead of me who was clearly struggling more than I was. And that focus of being able to relate to another person pulled me along through the halfway point in the race. And at that point... A number of runners were slowing down, and I had developed this rhythm, even though I did not feel good at all. My rhythm and my cadence was pulling me past one runner and then past another runner, and I was focusing on the cadence and not where I was or where I expected to be at the end of the race. So... Fast forward to the last four laps in the race, and uh, I had worked my way up into the top pack of seven runners, and we were really running about the same cadence, and about every lap I would pass another runner, and the pace started picking up. And I started to say, well, I'm not in this league right now, so I can't do that. It's very common to have negative thoughts, especially when you're under duress. 
But instead of that, I got right back to my cadence. And I kept working on maintaining that cadence, not picking it up, but maintaining it. And I went by another couple of runners, and as the last lap began, I was in a pack of three runners. Uh, And we went right with one another. We jockeyed for position, and we let it go coming down the final straightaway. And I ended up running in a tie for second place, which allowed me to qualify to go on the U.S. national team over to Russia and to Africa. And it was a fabulous experience for me and really transformed the way I thought about preparation before a race. You can't count yourself out when you are about to do something that is rather extraordinary, like the Boston Marathon, or uh, like your first marathon, or some challenging experience when you don't feel like you're prepared. Uh, But in those situations, one bit of advice is don't start too fast. I have never heard of anyone that ran a really good time when they were undertrained and they went out too fast. <laughs> Nobody has ever done that. And you seem to have kind of this, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a similar story to how you made the Olympic team, um, having a plan, getting it done, sticking in there. Um, was this something that was taught through your childhood, through your early days of running, or where do you think this came from? There were bits and pieces that I absorbed through my uh, high school days and college days and from my teammates on the Florida Track Club during that era. However, there wasn't really a science or plans for motivation at the time, and motivation was really not understood in that era. Uh, I didn't really fully understand it until I wrote my book, Mental Training, and I had to take six months off and go through the research on how the brain is engaged by exercise and how it is, um, how we put up barriers in, in front of ourselves due to pressure and stress and so forth and how to diffuse all of that. Uh, but all of that said, There were a few key things, and having a plan was really the key. And the person that I credit as helping me more through stressful races is my friend Frank Shorter. Frank was the most cognitive runner that I have ever run with, and from the very start of every workout that I ran with him and and every race, he would have certain things that he would talk about. And if he wasn't talking, I would usually ask him something, and then he would talk. And and this uh, the thoughts are what turn on your human brain and turn off the monkey brain. The, the monkey brain is that part of you that under stress, which of course you're going to have leading up to a race and also during a race, but the monkey brain is that part of you that under stress will start secreting anxiety hormones and negative hormones to make you more and more unsure of yourself 
And at some point, when the stress is really high in a race, a lot of runners give up because they don't have a cognitive strategy. The way Frank taught me to go through that is to focus on something like I was focusing on that runner right ahead of me and focusing on the runners in that lead pack as we came around that final curve. When you have a cognitive approach to what you're doing at that time, you will have a great deal of control over your emotions and over your motivation and then your ability to do whatever is capable of, of doing at that moment. And finally, I think where people lose it is they, they often will start out with a plan but they'll get into the middle part of a race like the Boston Marathon, and they may have a good uh, mile, maybe a downhill mile or something, and uh, they start to push too far ahead at that point in the race and use those resources up. Uh, And so my main suggestion on the plan for Boston And you can find a lot of this out in my book, Boston, How to Qualify. Uh, But the, the main advice I give in using my book, Boston, How to Qualify, at this point when we're getting close to the race, is to read over the course description that Bill Rogers and I concocted and wrote down in that book, mile by mile. So it'll give you a really good... Uh, description over what you're going to have to go through. And and knowledge is power. Knowledge is cognitive power. And if you read through it enough, you're going to be in a mindset that makes you feel at home with the course. Uh, I've had a lot of veteran Boston folks who have run the race 20 times or more, and they say that the thing that's helped them most about any of my books has been that description of the Boston course. Now, the most important part to read is the last five to seven miles of the course, because that's the part where you really want to shine. And so the key to any race, but particularly a race like the Boston Marathon, is to save those resources so you run your best part of the race during those last five to seven miles. That's the portion where you're mostly downhill or flat until the end. And let me tell you the reward. And it's the greatest reward in running. And that is passing one runner after another. In Boston, there's an extra benefit because the crowd goes wild when they see runners passing one another. So if we go back in your running history, can you think of other races that you had this knowledge base of having a plan and sticking to it or a race where you had no business being in it and something miraculous happened? Yeah, the pattern of the negative split started very early in my running career and actually before I even began running as such distance running and that was uh, eighth grade football uh, at 
towards the end of the season, our coach was mad at us, and so uh, we weren't performing well in a practice. So he had everybody on the team, and this was a large team. It was 60-some football players, eighth-grade team. And he had us run a half mile around the track, two laps around the track. Well, for football players, particularly at that time, that was like a marathon, and everybody hated it. And uh, But uh, there were a lot of competitive guys on that football team. They wanted to uh, really impress the coach. So a lot of them went out way too fast, and I didn't because – I wasn't in the shape that the others were, and I had performed very poorly, not only that day, but for for the whole season. So I started out at the back of the pack, and I was one of uh, two or three runners during that first lap at the far back of the pack, the last people running. Well, uh, once we passed, the, our back of the pack folks passed the halfway point, the one lapper, there were a lot of runners that were walking. A lot of those football players were walking. So um, we noticeably got our spirits pumped up by the fact that we were able to pass clumps of these walkers. And then we came up on the guys who had been running fast, but they weren't running fast anymore. And we started passing them. And by the time we got to the last quarter of that last lap, there were two of us that were running stride for stride and had moved up all the way into first place. And we duked it out all the way to the finish line. And when we crossed together, it was as if we had won the Olympic gold medal. It was just this amazing feeling of satisfaction from uh, having dug down deep, been smart enough to save the resources and then use them at the end. Now, in that race, I did not have a plan at all. I, uh, but that experience allowed me to start a plan. So you work on your plan with what has worked for you before. And that allows you the opportunity to work off success and then fine-tune it as you go through. Um, the next major experience of that, that where I used that plan, was in my senior year two-mile state championship. I had never qualified to run in the state until my senior year. And I had run two races. The first race was the mile in which I had finished second. But I really thought that I could have beaten the guy that was ahead of me, and I felt really bad about that. Um, and so I didn't, I was so down after that mile that I didn't even want to run the two mile. But my coach sort of made me feel guilty for not running the two mile and helping the team with some points. So I jumped in figuring that I could finish fourth or fifth fairly easily in that race. But it was a hot day. It was 95 degrees. And again, uh, um, most of the runners went out way too fast. 
Well, I was in last place for the first mile. And then I started passing people. And without really picking up my pace, I passed one runner after another. Um, and as I came into one lap to go, uh, I was in sixth or seventh place. But there were two runners within a short distance ahead of me. And so I picked up my pace and passed each of them. As I entered the backstretch of the race with a little more than 200 yards to go, there was a runner who looked like he was almost walking. So I picked up my pace again and passed him right before the curb. And then another runner on the curb. And I looked up ahead and there was only one runner left, but he was halfway to the finish line. But he was also mostly, he looked like he was walking. So I gave it everything I had left. And I got right up to the finish line and passed him as I crossed the finish line and won the state championship. And again, I had in place the negative split idea to to go out nice and slow on a tough day and then to pick one person off after another. I knew how to do that and I knew the gratification that that gave me. And then to feel the resources that I had saved is a really empowering experience and uh, I was able to pull that off not only there, but in the Olympic trials and in the race in 1973, where I qualified for the U.S. team. It seems like also a theme in your life. Your your father had this way of trying to uh, will the weather to do certain things, and he would always say he would take credit for good weather. But it seemed like in big races for you, uh, the weather always seemed to be very hot. So maybe he had a little something to do with that as well. Well, you know, that's an interesting thought. And I never had had the thought that my father's uh, claim that he could control the weather uh, actually would help me if he willed that the weather was hot. But it is a fact that I did run my better races in the heat. I was I was tougher than other runners. Another way of looking at it is in cold weather, the runners who had a lot more ability than I could display that ability. And I, not being as talented as these other runners, would benefit more when there was adversity out there, such as heat. But my father, Elliot Galloway, was... uh, was really quite a remarkable person in being able to take certain concepts and apply them to your life, often in very subtle ways, and that is a good example of that. And I treasure the fact that uh, I am Elliot Galloway's son. So just in, in kind of conclusion, for people that maybe aren't challenging for a victory of some of these races, which really none of us are anymore, um, what, what kind of overarching thought can you give about motivation and, and you know, getting through something that maybe you didn't think was possible or you know, maybe it, this, you don't feel like it's your, going to be your day? How do we get through that? 
Well, first of all, I will have to say that finishing a marathon, and particularly the Boston Marathon, is winning in life. It, it's a journey. Uh, life is a journey, and we have all types of challenges. And uh, in in distance running, there's no greater challenge than Boston when you consider the hills and the variation in the weather and all that. So to finish is an amazing accomplishment. Now, the key to motivation is having a cognitive strategy that turns on your human brain and turns off the monkey brain. And a cognitive strategy uh, involves using a plan that you have edited through your years of running. And if it's in other areas of life, you edit your plan based on what is working for you in that particular area. Uh, But when it comes to running, the key to sustaining motivation is having certain things you can always come back to. And one of them is counting, counting your steps. Uh, It's uh, as simple as the cadence drill that we use very effectively to keep your rhythm going, to keep your cadence going when you start to lose it at the end of a race. Uh, You time yourself for 15 to 30 seconds. Count how many times your left or your right foot touches during that. And every time you're counting, you're turning on your human brain and turning off that negative monkey brain. So that's a simple thing you can do, but it will help everybody to follow up and and pull resources out of yourself to have certain key words that remind you of your successes. And it can be a success in running or a success in life. But key words, once you say them, will turn on your human brain. And if that key word is associated with one or more positive experiences, then what you're going to turn on is the right side of your brain, which is then going to find all of those resources that you found before. They are there. They're waiting for you to pull them up. And keywords that are tied into experiences will do that. And finally, having some mantras when the going really does get tough, that either allow you to focus on a positive thought when you're not feeling very positive, or having some mantras that are funny so that they distract you can be incredibly powerful to keep you going at that time. And everybody has different mantras. You'll find in my mental training book a whole host of different uh, categories of mantras, and you can pick them out. Uh, I have uh, at least one person in practically every race expo come up and unfold their photocopy of the pages in the book that have those mantras that they are going to be using highlighted. But the best mantras are the ones that work for you. And I'm Jeff Galloway, and I want to tell you that You can do it.
you can do it.